Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're just a beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. With Sam Payne. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Was right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. That's what I like to play when coming to rain. Trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, National NBA Writer at The Athletic, here as always with my guys Anthony Slater, out west, Fred Katz, out east. Guys, we're going to jump right in today. We have got ourselves a good old-fashioned Western Conference preseason preview. I guess a preview of the regular season that we're doing in the preseason, uh, preseason to be more specific. Uh, Sam shout out, is in preseason mode himself. I am in preseason rusty form. That's okay. We'll get through it. Shout out to the basketball buds. I enjoyed yesterday's Eastern Conference preview that Zach Harper and the guys did. Very good stuff. Make sure you listen to that if you have not. Guys, the West is, uh, is going to be interesting. It's funny. Part of the basketball buds commentary was uh, Zach had, had kind of joked that for all these years, People tried to say that the East had gotten better and it was catching up to the West and there was more parity. And he's finally a believer in the East. The West uh, is, is is more layered, if you will, I think, than it has been in the past. In the way we're going to break it down here, got all kinds of categories, all kinds of debates within those to, to get into. But at the top, let's at least get a little slice of perspective from the two of you. Quick thoughts on on the West and, and what it might be in 2021-22. Down. I think, you know, and I think that'll be the theme as we go through this podcast. And even question three, not to jump ahead, is like how many teams can possibly win the West? And I do find myself thinking more than usual because it's not because, oh, I think there's all these great Goliath-type teams up there. I just think it's just down uh, in general. Uh, and obviously injuries have a lot to do with it. And there's three big injuries that we'll get to with, you know, Jamal Murray's comeback potentially late in the season, Kawhi Leonard's, Clay Thompson's, but I just, you Fred know, Slater's with- determined to just give everything away at the top. He says, we're going to get to the injuries and then he gets to the, in- <laughs> I have, I have nothing. Slater encapsulated everything. I have. The West is down. Leave something in the chamber. Kawhi, I mean, I, Kawhi I, Leonard's he, hurt. You wanted an overview, sir. I gave you an overview. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree. The West is not as good. The East is better. I Fred Katz is just mad he wasn't on the Monday pod. He wanted the East for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, Fred, resident Knicks beat writer, believes hey. that the Knicks are better than every team in the West. You said I've, that off air, didn't you? That's exactly what I said. I yeah, I, I, I believe you actually misquoted. I think I said I am a, I'm a huge Hornets guy. 
Major Hornets guy. <laughs> I'm so I'm so bullish on the Hornets. I'm all in on the Hornets. What's I think- bull? By the way, this is a great way to start the West uh, preview podcast. Wh- how bullish on the Hornets are we talking? Like, are you? All right, using- I, I'm gonna I'm I'm taking this thing over. We're can, we're off can, the tracks can we already. At least get Fred to give us Hornets playoff seating before we move to the. West. Oh, good lord! Yes, go Fred. Yeah, I think they're like seven or eight. All right, uh, get, that's get not stuff. as bull. No, I we're not it, debating it. it. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, we're going to the right, West. All right. Question one, Sam. Question number one coming in the Western Conference regular season preview up for debate. What team is the most underrated? Now, before you answer, I got to quibble. I always struggle with underrated, overrated because the premise is flawed. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know exactly how everybody else rates certain teams, but we have a sense. And I think we can probably try to hit the mark here. So, um, Fred, since Slater went first in the first segment here, let's go to you. Which team do you think is the most underrated? Okay. I agree with your assessment of overrated versus underrated. And I thought the overrated and underrated, which we're doing to start off, was very difficult because I feel like the public has pretty properly rated the West. Yeah. And I feel yeah, like yeah. everyone's like, Denver is really, I mean, you guys really, really good. Ex- existential conversation. <laughs> yes. Talking Hornets basketball with the West. I have an answer to this. If we I have really an answer. Oh, oh, I landed on my answer. The fact okay. that everyone was pretty properly rated made me made me feel good about the most underrated. Uh, I think it's Dallas. I think I think everybody has looked at Dallas and thought it's pretty much the same team. They lost a a guy who everybody agrees is an excellent coach in Rick Carlisle, and they added Reggie Bullock, and it's pretty much the same team coming Jason back. Jason Kidd should be mentioned. I thought you were going to Jason Kidd. You're like, and they added Reggie Bullock. <laughs> the underrated, I'm going to – But I'm saying – Well, let me give my logic first. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, cool. They started 9-14 and 14 last year. Luca got off to a really, really bad start shooting the ball. I just don't think that's going to be replicated. They finished the season 33-16. and 16. That team was the number one offense in the league two years ago. We'll see the impact Jason Kidd has as a head coach. Maybe he's changed during his time as an assistant, uh, but that's obviously something to look out for. But but I just feel like this team is probably more like the one we saw in the second half of last season. Last season. I don't think Porzingis could possibly be as bad defensively as he was last year. And if you get a little rebound from him, you get natural progression from Luka. This to me seems like it could it could be a top four seed. Slater, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a good point by Fred. It's it's really a bet on Luca. I mean, just continuing to make jumps. Uh, but that wasn't my answer. My answer is actually the the defending champs that I don't think people are talking about much. The Phoenix Suns won the West last year, and I do think heading into the season, uh, defending under- Western Conference champs, the Bucks disrespect is is thick here. Come on, Western. I said the, the defend. Uh, well, yes. we're, it's a Western it's a Conference West preview. preview. They are. I'm the just champs. hey, I'm I'm Giannis could be listening. I'm just trying to be respectful. The champs yeah. of the group of teams that I am categorizing here, <laughs> the Western Conference teams, is the Phoenix Suns. Um, and, you know, they brought everybody back. And continuity matters. We've seen it in regular seasons. How much just like, you know, it's why the Utah Jazz, uh, you know, who, again, we'll get to. I, I keep jumping ahead. But, um, you know, dominate regular seasons usually. Like, they're just prepared. They know each other. And this Phoenix Suns team had a starting lineup that was just – extremely healthy and cohesive and fit together. Um, and, you know, they were the two seed last year. And now they brought every, they brought everyone that matters back. I think campaign because of what he did in the playoffs, there's even more comfort that if there's a Chris Paul 
two week injury. If there's a, you know, if Chris Paul has to miss time over the course of the season, I mean, Payne has shown enough and signed with what, what I think was a pretty good deal, team friendly deal. Uh, they, they, they won't break stride much. I think Booker's coming into his own. Aiton, because of what he did in the playoffs, uh, could take a leap. Now his contract situation that is unsettled. Um, and this like, you know, max or non max extension, maybe that create some weirdness that they didn't have last year. But with Monty Williams, you know, like the stable leader at the helm, I think Phoenix is going to be really, really good all regular season. And then because I think the rest of the West is down, which they which benefited them in the playoffs last year, I just, I just think that we know what they are, and I just think they're being undervalued. All good points. Uh, it's funny, Fred, again, we keep jumping ahead, but to the original point about rating and under and over, you know, I, my, I guess I am giving it away. Your, your, you know, underrated team is my overrated team. So that tells you that, that we're all over the map. Yeah, here. baby. Yeah. I love this. Go at it. You too. I'm going to, well, uh, I'm going to finish. Cause that's overrated. That's coming up next. My underrated is going to be the Denver nuggets. A uh, little bit of recency bias. I went to San Diego for training camps and checked in with a couple of teams, including Denver and got a good sense of their group. Um, you know, you've got the Jokic, disrespect factor, which I do think is real. I know that's a super cliche thing that we talk about all the time in sports, but Jokic is, is certainly one of the most overlooked MVPs that we've had in a very long time. And and I think, you know, that's bearing out in some of these preseason predictions about this season and who's going to be up for the MVP award. Uh, but for me, beyond the fact that they obviously don't have Jamal Murray, uh, Michael Porter Jr. And I'm intersecting with other categories down the line. I think MPJ's year is going to be huge. And it's potentially the kind of jump that is going to put them in a very competitive place for the entire year. Not contender status, but I think in terms of teams that at least the mainstream audience is probably unofficially, you know, scratching off their list because, you know, one of their stars is out. I think Denver would uh, would be one of those squads. I'm into it. All very good teams. All very good teams, all very good teams. In the absence of a, a Slater follow, let's keep it moving. Let's go uh, most overrated team. Uh, I will go first because I already gave my answer away. Here's where I'm at with Kill the Fred. Mavs. Kill Fred. <laughs> now, Fred's logic is sound. I mean, all the, the layered, you know, kind of handicapping of it that you just did, Fred, makes a lot of sense. I think in what I have to admit a little bit is that with Luca, I'm – just a, a bit torn over the fact that his individual dominance and prowess and historic early career has been, you know, almost the entirety of, it's kind of captured the entirety of his spotlight, if that makes sense. And the fact that he has bowed out two years in a row in the first round has mostly been forgiven. Now, the, the threshold is obviously a whole lot higher when you become an all-time player quickly like he has. But, you know, I just want to wait and see where this goes from a progression standpoint because, you know, the latest short kind of failure, if you will, in the postseason was followed by utter chaos. You know, GM gone, coach gone, new coach coming in, extremely outside the box, you know, restructuring of the front office. Nico Harrison coming in, you know, Haralabob Volgaris, who we wrote about at length, obviously parted ways with the franchise as well. Mark Cuban is has just, you know, completely overhauled things. Um, and the man in the middle, Luca, who every executive in this league would love to build around, is now, I think, going to rightfully so have a little more scrutiny upon him because um, I think more specifically to the way he functions on the court, you do occasionally run into people. Who, it's not necessarily saying that, that that he's, I mean, what am I trying to say? 
there's some players think it's tough to play with the guy. And I think he's got to find a way to be that rising tide that raises all ships more than he has in the past. And and it's not to say he can't do it. I just, uh, I think the playoff stuff matters. I'm standing by it. The dude, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's, uh, that's a difficult standard to reach for a second, for a guy that young, for a guy in his early twenties. I mean, he's, he will break through that first round barrier at some point. And he, he's got tough, like it was tough matches for him too, right? The Kawhi Clippers both. He was years, also he, pretty, pretty excellent in that, that series. He had some incredible moments against the Clippers. Sure. Absolutely. And that's where, I mean, it's funny. We have these debates about guys all the time. Trey Young had this debate staring him dead in the face entering last year's playoffs. The idea that, you know, even, and we've talked about this, Fred, going back to his Oklahoma days and even high school days, did guys want to play with Trey Young? And then suddenly, magically, when he has a breakthrough and they're in the conference finals, narratives like that go away. So I'm sure he will break through it. And But it's that weird juxtaposition of, okay, individually, he's universally accepted into the MVP discussion, but then collectively with the team, you just don't have a ton of success at this point. So my struggle with them is, and and the reason why, I mean, I, I, I ended up overcoming it to put them underrated, but my struggle with them is that Rick Carlisle is an excellent coach. Jason yep. Kidd, his history as a head coach is not excellent, especially as, as Nexus nose guy, right? But I've always been of the belief that the most important part of being a good coach is not necessarily having A plus schemes. It's having A plus buy-in. And and based just on, you know, reporting that you've done, that Tim Cato's done, and and what we hear out of Dallas, Rick Carlisle lost a lot of the buy-in, right? Like he was not getting A plus buy-in from his players sure. on that team. Particularly uh, the so, stars. Yes, particularly the stars. And so I I just feel like having a coach, if now if they maybe they don't buy into kid, but I feel like that was it sounded like it was really time for a, situ- a a change of that situation having somebody who they buy into i think could change the dynamic of that team uh and i think there's enough talent on that team for that offense to be like amazing well so and to your I, point no yeah no that's all that's all good to your point i mean that offense was already historic so we'll see what happens out in dallas all right let's keep it moving guys um slater you you touched on this one a minute ago but how many teams are we legitimately considering well, we, well, me and Fred got to give our overrated teams. Oh, man. Yeah, now yeah, Andrew's yeah. got to edit. I just lost. What, we got so deep in I'm the gonna Dallas beef, discussion. I'm going to beef with both of you guys because Sam Phoenix, and I are- Phoenix, he's going with Phoenix. Sam, Sam and I are fighting fighting over uh, over Dallas. Slater, my overrated team- It's the Phoenix Suns. Is the Golden State Warriors. Oh, oh okay. That's- by the way, that's not a beef. Would have been the Suns because they were my under. No, we need beef. Beefs are good. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, beefs just, are good. I'm Lead just into trying it. to. <laughs> just, I'm just up here. I'm stirring. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. giant yeah. pot, right. the San Francisco sized pot. I just people talk about them as like not contenders, but but stealth problems for the contenders. And I just, I I think we're all and and Slater. Like, tell me if you think I'm kind of being crazy here but like clay just torn acl and achilles and and hasn't played since like the beginning of time i believe we're nearing 900 days without an nba and that is just 
look, he might come back and eventually be great. But people say, ah, you know, when you come back from the Achilles, you're clear to play and you can play and your your chance of re-injury is fine enough. Doctors will clear you, but you're not yourself for a year after you actually step back on the court. And and then you add in the fact that he's missed time with an ACL too. And I know his game is is a game that should age well because he's a shooter, but he's also an all-defense caliber defender, and I wonder how that's going to hold up after these injuries. It just We talk about the same Clay Thompson is going to return, and while I hope that's true because I love watching the guys play, the guy play, and you never want to see an injury uh, you know, hurt somebody like that, it's just that's not necessarily my expectation. I think that's a little bit too ambitious that he's just going to be back in December or January or whenever it is. And now they're the Warriors. They were 20th in points per possession last year, even though Stephen Curry had this outrageous offensive season. And I think Otto Porter is a good fit for them. And I think Bielitz is a good fit for them. But it that, that's not enough to bring you from 20th into you know 10th or 12th in offense. So I just... I wonder where that's going to come from if Clay isn't like all caps Clay. The defense is really good. Uh, I, I I just I don't really see them being this this possible threat to the contenders in the West that I, I've seen a lot of people put them in. You know, it's funny. I actually worry more about their defense than their offense. I do think their offense is going to jump into the 8, 10, 12 range because it, it isn't just that, oh, they had some nice minimum signings. It's that they got guys that fit what Curry wants to do, which they didn't have last year. They just had a an offensive uh, personnel that didn't know how to play how Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green wanted to play. I mean, Kelly Oubre is like, doesn't know how to back cut essentially stuff like that. So uh, they're going to shoot crazy threes. They took 69 in a preseason game the other day. So I just think efficiency wise, they will jump up, but part of their personnel change to smart, capable offensive players and shooters. is a defensive downgrade, losing Baysmore. Ubre did some stuff defensively for them. Uh, Jordan Poole's going to play a ton more and he's, I may get to him in the breakout player section. I think he's going to juice up offensively what they, their numbers are because they're going to be better in the non Curry minutes, but he's kind of a defensive question mark uh, that they didn't have as much last year. So I don't, I'm not necessarily disputing your theory on it because I'm, I'm with you on clay. Like, I don't know. I mean, the fact that they're probably going to wait till December, January tells you how much they're really trying to ease him back in. I guess the argument would be like, I, I would not pick them to be like a top four seed record wise, but I guess the thought is if clay can, you know, generate some form of himself, 80% of himself by May, then if you get in a playoff series with that system, those players, Draymond Green, you know, the Steve Kerr coaching staff, they should be feared if Clay gets back to 80% of himself. But it is a big if. And and I can definitely understand the opinion of maybe we're just relying too much or thinking too much about what they used to be, not what they actually are now. Slater, what do you feel like is the updated perspective on, you know, I feel like the offensive struggles last year a lot of times got blamed on on the Wiseman factor and the idea that, you know, we know the numbers when he was on the floor with Steph versus off were pretty severe. Um, you know, does that evolve? Do they just go away from stuff they were doing last year, pick and roll wise? How does the Wiseman factor kind of that question get answered yeah. this year? It was a coaching misplay last year. They started him right away and they like wanted him to essentially like 
hey, learn how to be a warrior center, which is like Andrew Bogut, David West, you know, like you're going to do DHOs and and you're going to have the ball at the, you know, elbow and maybe try to hit some back cutters, stuff he was not ready for. And this season, um, when he comes back, the, the expectation is it'll be more second unit. It'll be just pure pick and roll, give him very simple actions and only a few actions that he should be able to do well because he's huge, he's athletic, and he's skilled at the rim. And just spam pick and roll with him and Jordan Poole 12 minutes a night while Steph's off the floor. And that's your offense uh, with him. And then unless he proves that he's ready for a bigger role, just keep him off the floor when Steph Curry's on the floor. You know, he's not going to start. Uh, they're going to play small a lot more because they they were really good small last year. Draymond Green's probably going to play more center than he ever has. They're, to me, the I think their upgrade this year is just they're just coaching smarter this year, it seems right. like. Right, right. You think All they're right, too we- relying on the young guys? Because that was another reason why I had well, them there. Yeah, that's the thing. They're not going to play him. You know, it's it's Steve Kerr had this quote the other day. He was kind of trolling Warriors fans because last year he had a quote about we're not chasing wins. That's why he didn't put Steph Curry in for four extra minutes. And that became like the logo of the disappointment of the season was we're not chasing wins. You know, the Kerr quote. And he said after the preseason game, I asked, look, you didn't put Kaminga in or Moody in until like garbage time, basically, in any of these preseason games. They're clearly not in the rotation right now. Like, should we expect that? He's, and he looked at the camera and says, we're chasing wins this season. <laughs> and, and like the fans were like, oh, he's trolling us. This guy's trolling us. But it's it's true. It's how he's coaching. Um, and and like you would if the ownership goes, look, Kaminga's got to get developmental minutes. They're a worse team. But if they're really OK with just like, you know, playing who's going to help them win today the most, then they're a better team. By the way, as a super fast side note, because I'm a Ted Lasso fanatic, a fantastic interview by our Kavitha Davidson with Matthew Kerr, son of. Steve Kerr, Matthew is a, a writer's assistant on my favorite TV show. If you haven't read that, I highly recommend it. Slater, who uh, who is your overrated squad before we keep it moving? Clippers. Okay. Um, How come? Uh, no Kawhi all season, obviously. Um, I think they ran into a nice matchup with the Jazz in the playoffs where that small ball like kind of tricked Utah, just, you know, fit well. And they won a couple games and, you know, they even made it relatively interesting against Phoenix uh, without Kawhi. But that was with like 43 minutes a night from Paul George, like balls to the wall, like, you know, as as much as he can go. He's generally during the regular season needed rest, needed obviously load management, needed, you know, stretches of regular seasons where maybe like the production's not there because maybe his energy level is not there, whatever. So I just, unless you think Paul George is going to have an MVP type season which maybe he does but i don't think so uh i think they're thin beyond that like who's their second best player reggie jackson who was on a minimum last year terrence man yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> you're making my argument yeah. right there yeah. but like serge abaca still dealing with the weird back injury so like doesn't seem like he's going to be playing at least early in the season um i just i don't i am excited i again logic is sound i'm excited to see if paul george can keep the momentum up that he created in the postseason without Kawhi, uh, because it is, and this is the obviously the the nuance of the game itself is that, you know, we'll get to the Lakers at some point when you have a ton of talent on the floor, you know, there becomes a, a virtual ceiling on on what certain guys can do individually. So when Kawhi Leonard and PG decide to team up with the Clippers, you know, it, it made a lot of sense. They've won a lot of games, but Paul without Kawhi, his game just just kind of undeniably elevates, and it's fun to watch. And now I don't know if that takes them to a an actual contention status without him, and, and I doubt it, but uh, I am kind of excited to, to see how Paul plays. You're not buying the big-time Eric Bledsoe return? Man, he's been a yeah. disappointment his last couple stops, huh? He has, yep. 
Yes. Yeah, I mean, look, that's the thing. Like, I'm looking at their roster right now. The rely, rely might be strong, but these are some of the guys that they're like banking on to, to help. Eric Bledsoe, Harry Giles, Justice Winslow's on the roster now. Um, you know, obviously Trey Mann, who maybe we'll get to in the breakout section. I feel like they do need a huge season from Trey Mann. Are we sure he's, I mean, he had a couple of nice playoff moments, but I mean, remember Tyler Hero a couple of years ago or in the bubble, I should say one year ago, which we're all learning that that was only one year ago, but, um, right. Tyler Hero had a couple really nice playoff moments. And so we entered year two and we're like, Tyler Hero's ready to, you know, take over the league essentially. And then he had a disappointing year too. And I'm not saying Trey Mann is going to be like a disappointment this season, but Couple nice playoff games does not mean he's like ready. Is to Trey be a nickname, number. or am I just missing the Terrence? We're gonna have to edit there. He's you talking Terrence, correct? Yeah, I'm talking Terrence, man. I kept saying there is a Trey man. He's in the league too. But. I wasn't gonna correct you, but you, you dropped it like four times. All right, Andrew, is there a way <laughs> to, to, to edit that? Thunder player yeah. Trey man. That's what he's, it is. Terrence he's a, man. I know. Trey Trey, Trey man is in. Uh, He's one of the kids in the Andrews house right now. Stayed in the pot. All right. Well, everyone gets to know that (laughs) as I'm hating on Terrence, man, I'm not even saying his first name uh, correctly, but Terrence man, who, by the way, I mean, you, you should not hate on that young fella because he single-handedly broke the Utah jazz uh, in the playoffs with the way that, you know, they, they should have played Rudy Gobert off the floor. They didn't. Terrence kept hitting those threes. And then the other day I loved his quote, Terrence was asked about the NBA.com John Schumann GM survey, and I forget what category he wound up in. I assume breakout player. Um, you know, you go from second round draft pick to being listed in that kind of you know uh, kind of an elite company. He's basically the question was, "How do you feel about that?" And he looks at the camera. He goes, "Oh, it's from the GMs, the same ones who didn't pick me in the first round. Like I don't give a shit." You know, so he's got a little edge to him. He's he's a, a good young player. He was a great find for them. There's no question. I'm just talking more like, you know, as we, tr- as you try to build a contender, you know, right. is right, right. Well, that and, and what, so that what, what do you think? Uh, what do you think of Trey Man's prospects, though? Is he gonna, <laughs> is he Trey get Man is One, ready to light Oklahoma City <laughs> up. There's not gonna let it go. There was a year, I don't remember, there was a year when Jordan Crawford got a six man of the year vote. And it was so clear that it was because somebody on their drop down menu voting for six man of the year just saw Jay Crawford and right. picked the wrong Jay Crawford. So it's it's you guys you're, know it's you're the human Slater's brain is 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 the biological drop down menu. Right. He's I've always waited for, for like for, Seth Curry to get an MVP vote. I was gonna <laughs> say he's, he's probably voting exactly. for Costas uh Anacumpo for MVP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, that that does kind of dovetail a little bit into the next category. How many teams in the West are legitimate contenders? Slater clearly does not think that the Clippers are. Um, my well, list, guys, is is pretty brief, and I forget if, one of you guys mentioned earlier. I think Slater that you thought the list of contenders was fairly deep. So I think we have some good debate that we're about to have here. I'm going on squads that I either trust, you know, completely, meaning I know who they are, what they do. And I know that they can at least be in the hunt when it matters most or ding, 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 the Lakers squads where I am just going to go ahead and roll the dice on talent, roll the dice on, you know, on what I know about these players individually and where I expect them to go. Again, all we're basically guaranteeing is that they they push for title contention. Now, uh, as far as the latest up to date news, it should be mentioned that with the Lakers, they've gotten off to a pretty tough health start already. Trevor Ariza 
injured, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker out as well. So, um, those are two guys that we're supposed to be counted on to help a defense that is, I think, got some question marks surrounding it. But um, that's as far as my list goes, guys. Utah, Phoenix, and the Lakers with the Jazz. And then we'll talk more about them later in the show. I am a believer. And, you know, I, I just actually pulled up uh, Donovan Mitchell interview I did recently to because I had a line in the column about trying to remind readers and fans of how dominant the Jazz were before Donovan got hurt last year that they were 42 and 14 when he suffers that ankle injury that for all intents and purposes, even after he came back, like my opinion is that, you know, he wasn't himself um, in the playoffs. He talked about it after the fact they were absolutely dominant when they were healthy and they know who they are. They added Rudy Gay. Um, You've got continuity for the most part. They obviously had some changes up top with, Dennis Lindsay uh, stepping away, Justin Zanuck taking over their front office. But um, the Jazz are, are I think, quietly going to just go out there and do what they do. Phoenix, all the stuff we got into earlier, very similar. Not as much continuity, but but now they have the swagger of being the West champs and and, uh, and knowing how they function and what they can do too. So uh, that's as far as my list goes, though. Sam, it's, that- you, you talked about like how perception – like you and I live in in different places and consume different things because we're different people, and now that perception affects our overrated, underrated. Didn't sure. you say Denver was the most underrated, and you don't have uh, yes. them as a contender? No, I have Denver there's as a, a ceiling con- on it. There's a ceiling. I don't. I have I don't- Denver as a Denver as a contender. So, on- so you see them as potentially breaking through into the next tier without Jamal. Well, he, it's not definitely without that's, Jamal. Right. We don't know when we'll have him. That's key to this conversation, though. Right. Is, is Jamal Murray could theoretically come back at some point. Kawhi Leonard could theoretically come back at some point. And Clay Thompson could theoretically look like Clay Thompson. That's three teams that I would say if the, you know, if neither of those who come back and if Clay's just rusty, they're not contenders. But if we're like building a list of like what could happen, that's three contenders, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think. Sure. I, I think Denver. But it's the uncertainty, Fred. And just to quickly answer your question, that is what pushes me away from a squad like Denver or the Clippers. And maybe I should be a better reporter and dig even harder on the Jamal front because at Nuggets camp, you know, any question about Jamal's timeline was met with a, you know, just a kind of a very holistic, you know, whenever he feels ready that they are not making any promises whatsoever about when he's going to come back. I saw him out there. He He's throwing a very nice football. I can report. Uh, he was you know, kind of tossing it around their, their post-practice scene and seemed to be in good spirits. He was with the team in San Diego, but no, that would be a huge factor. But the, uh, the uncertainty around his situation is the only thing that for me pushed them down to the next tier. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they, they were looking so great last year. I mean, they were, they were looking like the team. I mean, I thought they were going to be the team that came out of the West before the Murray injury after after the Aaron Gordon trade. I mean, their their offense was looking so incredible, and and Gordon was such a a great fit for them. Uh, they they added Jeff Green, who I think will be good in their bench units. I think will be able to play small ball five, which he was able to do in his last few stops. Like that, that's still a team that I think is going to be really really good, even without Murray, Jokic, and I I could easily see Michael Porter Jr. taking that leap we've kind of all been waiting for with him and and Gordon is still a really really good player and uh they're deep. I just I think that's a team that's going to be able to hang around and if if Murray comes yeah. back in 
in March, he doesn't have to be 25 a game, Jamal Murray. He can he can just be a good player, and that team can have four ridiculously good players at the top and depth. I just I think that they're extremely dangerous. Not to mention, if if you conceivably look at Jamal as a, obviously a, a, an offensive player in terms of his strengths, um, Will Barton, we all know, is just a bucket getter. Austin Rivers had some really good moments last year and then helps you on the defensive end as well. They're really excited about Monte Morris, who uh, I believe is, is likely going to start. Um, you know, even Bones, their rookie, is is getting good buzz coming out of camp. So a lot of talent. Uh, yeah, for me, Fred, it's just the uncertainty with Jamal. But, I mean, they they got a good thing. They have a culture, too, and they have a long view that was kind of reflected in, in even uh, Jokic. And, and uh, he, he had an addition to his family in the preseason, had a daughter. And, and I thought it was kind of fascinating. I'm probably overanalyzing it, but everybody was so comfortable with the fact that they wanted to make sure he got time with his newborn and he was away from the team in San Diego. And it just kind of felt like all of their attitudes, not specifically to that situation, but just were like, you know, this is something where we're going to let it build and let it grow in the next six, seven months, as opposed to uh, trying to come out the gate, you know, in any sort of uh, strong way. They know that they just got to keep their heads above water and do things later in the year. Yeah, my list on this question, because, uh, you know, I'm taking the uh, optimistic side of the injury unknown, saying that if any of these situations go well, they could become contenders. So my list would be, I think, what, six, seven deep. Jazz, Suns, I agree with you. Obviously, Lakers agree with you. Um, I would put Nuggets, would put Clippers, would put Warriors uh, within that just because there are just they're, they're home run situations that could just change the complexion of their teams if, if it goes right. Fair enough. Good stuff, guys. Uh, we're going to break for a quick ad on the back end of this. Next up, best rookie in the West. We'll be right back. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, guys, we're going from the team perspective down to a few individual questions, debates that we can get into here. Best rookie in the West. Uh, let's I forget the, the order of affairs here, but let's go back to Fred. Fred, what do you think for best rookie in the West? I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a little uninterested in best rookie in the West. <laughs> He's a little uh, uninterested I, in the West, but if you, the Hornets got some rookies, you know. So, that's James true. James Booknight. Yeah, I could talk about James Booknight the whole time. What do you have uh, against rookies, Fred? I just J- Jalen Green. 
I think he's going to have ample opportunity. He's probably going to score a lot. They've they've built that whole team so that he gets to handle the ball. He's he's just. I think it's going to end up. I think he's got a chance at rookie of the year. I I, I think it's probably him, but it's not a particularly hot take. Yeah, uh, it's not, and it's the same pick as myself. So I'm just going to you know rubber stamp what you had to say and go to Slater. Okay, so you guys are correct. I think statistically, you know, Jalen Green should be the best statistical rookie. Now, if there are other rookies, just for diversity of conversation here to discuss, I think Davion Mitchell and what he could do in sack could be very interesting. I, mean, I know Sam is in agreement on that one. I mean, he's written about it, but like you know, can he juice up their defense from worst ever to not worst ever? If he uh, can't, he should be out of the league after a year <laughs> yes but you know i mean like we're talking ready-made you know contributors you know davion mitchell should definitely be in the conversation uh, and two others uh trey murphy's having a really good preseason after a really good summer league i think that's a that, not to be look, confused with trey man oh jesus <laughs> troy murphy what if i said that troy murphy. <laughs> um but he you know that looks like a good pick and a ready-made like you know needed contributor for the Pelicans, uh, considering, you know, their situation. And then the other one I mentioned locally, uh, Moses Moody's like looking pretty good in the preseason. I can see him cracking the Warriors rotation. If we talk about like potential rotational guys on like, you know, playoff teams. I love the Trey uh, Murphy mention. He has been just draining jumpers yeah. and he's a really good fit for them too. Like he's great with, with the lineups that you have to, like if you have to play him with Zion and Valanciunas and stuff, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, last rookie thought from me, Davion Mitchell has the best nickname that I've heard from the young group. Off night was what they called him at Baylor. Everybody he faces has an off night. This dude can lock people up. He was fun to watch in summer league. He's not going to, I don't think, get past a, a score like Jalen Green when it comes to rookie of the year, but I, I do think he's going to help that Kings defense. Um, let's go to the guys who have been at it for at least a, a year and, and kind of the, the next tier of young players, best breakout player in the West, who is going to take that next step and become uh, one step closer to, to being a star player. I have a, I have a long list, but we've already talked about three of them, including Terrence Mann was on my list. The category is player Slater singular play. You're supposed to pick one. Can't come oh, out of the long list. Um, well, I, I had Michael Porter Jr. down, but we've mentioned him. But I think, you know, obviously big scoring breakout. I'll mention one uh, that I'm not even sure I'm predicting it, but it, I could like Jaron Jackson Jr. is like needs to essentially for like Memphis to take this next step. Um, he's it's all been like the theory of Jaron Jackson Jr. and not actually like seeing it regularly on the floor the last few seasons, obviously injury issues. But, you know, they traded Valachunas away. And I think a lot of that was like they're ready to like, like let Jackson be kind of like the fr like the front court revolves around him and and uh, his two man game with, with John Morant. So I don't know that I'm calling it as a breakout player of the year, but like he's got the prime opportunity if if he's ready for it. I love that pick. I love that pick. Yeah, he was he was he was on my list as well. <laughs> uh, my one guy. Uh, so You're so last year, la last year I let off this this podcast with. Spurs praise. You guys gave me crap about Jakob Pertl. Are we for the about whole to get a Jakob Pertl breakout player? I <laughs> no, it's not Jakob Pertl because Johnson? because he's already broken out, so it couldn't oh, okay, possibly okay. be Jakob Pertl. Oh, is that your uh, MVP pick? Are we doing that? Yeah. Later? <laughs> but but I am picking another spur. I'm going somewhere. So I'm a Spurs shill, I guess. Uh, I am going Keldon Johnson. I think you, you look at the track record of guys who play Team USA. 
and it you just guys just universally they tell you when they play team USA they learn a lot they get better just playing against that sort of competition with that sort of intensity all summer almost always makes guys better he's going to have major opportunity this year DeRozan is gone Patty Mills is gone they're going to be reliant on him for off the dribble work I I think he's really talented. He had a lot of really, really nice moments, especially last year when I thought he improved a lot. And I totally think that's going to continue. I, I think he could I think he could turn a lot of heads this year. It'd be really good. Good stuff. And uh, I'm going to go with MPJ, although Slater kind of hit the nail on the head. Or, well, actually, Fred, you did. Because Jakob, like you said, has already broken out. The, the only debate against my pick is that you could certainly argue that Michael Porter Jr. has already broken out. Um, when I was at Nuggets camp... And I actually, I think I might write about Michael in the next week or so because um, I did talk to him down there. It was interesting because for one, you get a sense from their group of two things. For one, how important he is to what they're going to do this year. That part is obvious, but that was a real topic of conversation among kind of their front office and coaching staff. But also rave reviews in terms of the way he's carrying himself. He gets his max extension. Um, you know, they, needless to say, feel great about that choice. And the whole thing about him having already broken out, you, you got a guy who almost gave you 20 a game last year, whose PER was actually better than Jamal Murray's in, in the 48 games that Jamal played. Um, there was a stat that I had lifted from our own Sam Vecini, who wrote a good column on Michael's extension. And I actually read this stat to Michael, and I'll share it with you guys real quickly here. Um Sam plotted out the 245 seasons in which a player 23 years or younger had averaged at least 17 points. And Porter's 66.3% true shooting was the best mark of all time. Now, you know, I know that type of number stat doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but that's a pretty massive sample size. And as I said to Michael, it's a fancy way of saying you're, you shot the shit out of the ball last year. He is an incredible shooter and a guy whose work, and this is up your alley, Slater, hit the work he's done with Steph Curry uh, a couple of times uh, in training, I think is going to reap benefits for him. He's talked a lot about the off-ball stuff, about you know basically being a bigger version of Steph and just just basically outrunning your guy and never stopping and, and breaking free that way. Uh, and on the defensive end, you know that's just going to continue to come slowly, but Michael Malone is trusting him. Uh, more than he used to. And, and I think the only concern I would have uh, on that end and in general is the same concern that folks had going into the draft. You know, his back is still an occasional problem. And you hear people talk about how even defensively that that might be a, a big reason why, you know, he just simply can't move laterally like he wishes he could and, and, and ends up at times being a liability on that end. But uh, with Jamal out, opportunity is going to just be right in front of him. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him take another step. I, I do think that's a, a fitting pick for this category because he does like, yes, he's broken out as like a score shooter, but he, for them to take the next step, he needs to become like a winning, like legit, like really all-star. I think they're hoping. Sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that is another step that he needs to take. Two other very quick, I want to mention this category. I think Larry Nance in Portland stepping into a role that Portland really needs. Uh, he's kind of been under the radar in Cleveland because they stunk. Um, so I think he matters. And then should I'm he get a statue the if he's so good that the the Damien stays? I think that Larry should get a statue. Yeah, outside a statue. Of wow. Yeah. wow. That's, <laughs> how about just breakout player of the year? I mean, he can get sure, that. sure. No, but seriously, like that's the move. But the, the you know, I and I wrote the other day, Dame. 
legitimately wants to kind of give Chauncey a chance at success here. I think that is playing a part in the fact that he's changed his own tone about Portland. And then Larry is is just kind of low-key, a really nice pickup for them that that they're hoping uh, pays off. Yeah, and then the other one, I'm serious about the Jordan Poole stuff. Like, you know, he's looked awesome in preseason, and you heard it all all summer from people behind the scenes. Like, he's dominating scrimmages. He's working like crazy. He's ready to make this jump. And it's it, the lights have turned on, and he's looked ready to make this jump. I mean, he's gone 30, 20, 8, 28, something like that in the first three preseason games, just launching 28-footers. I think he might average 17, 18-type point per game, and that's huge for the Warriors. So that's another name. Good stuff, good stuff. Next category, the team most likely to make the playoffs that did not make the postseason last season. I mean, the the easy answer on this is Warriors. Are we assuming? Yep, that's what I had. Yep. Yeah. Are we assuming uh, play-in, like they made the play-in, like they were actually the eighth seed, and then they just got bumped. That, if, doesn't, that doesn't count. You got to okay. get in. Yeah. Then they're the At least that's answer. how I was thinking about it. Yeah, they're the easy answer. But beyond that, I mean, like, I don't know, like, could you see Sacramento, you know, breaking the drought, Sam? Nope. Nope, nope. <laughs> Easy answer. <laughs> I mean, I think maybe the I, – I don't know. I haven't got my eyes on them that much. The, the the mood is good, but that goes in one ear and out the other for me this time of year because that's how everybody is. And I know that sounds cynical, but it's also just, you know, we, we see it every single year. Um, they, they have some really interesting lineups. They've got – you know, when you roll – they had a bunch of three-guard stuff that they rolled out the other day. You know, they had Buddy Hill playing the three and, and with Rashawn at the five and, you know, Harrison Barnes at the four. Um, they're they're going to be small, but but they're potent and they offensively do some really nice things. Defense is the big thing. And, you know, I guess to take it back to Davion, it's just a question of it's a lot to ask a rookie to set the tone defensively for the entire group. Uh, if he can do it, that'd be really, really impressive. But we just don't see stuff like that very often. Fred, is it, you have a different answer? No, no. I was gonna say Golden State. It's kind of obvious, but but I I think it's I think it's the right one. So, so Pelicans. If Zion makes a jump, but that's not going well to start. <laughs> it doesn't seem. Uh, and then the Wolves. You know, there's all this like you know, could can Anthony Edwards in year two and Towns is now like could Towns have kind of the season we all thought he might eventually have? Like those are the other two teams I'd at least mention. I would probably be buying Minnesota at this point more than New Orleans, which is crazy considering how fantastic Zion is. But, you know, it is just the reality that right now we're looking at when's the next time he's going to have, you know, two two good springs, so to speak, uh, with his feet and, and wait and see how he looks and how he feels once he gets back. Plus the overall optics, as you guys know, of New Orleans are just not great right now. It doesn't feel like, you know, that the, the kind of uh, mission Zion and building around him culturally and roster wise is going all that well but with minnesota i mean edwards he just got better every single month last year um and and carl just as a guy who's been a star of of little kind of collective success uh to this point you know maybe carl finds a way to leadership wise make it work and and maybe they can't sneak in there anybody else we think is i mean feeling really bold lock- about well, you could lock the Thunder Rockets and, in my opinion, the Spurs into not making the playoffs. You don't think so. Trey Mann's going to carry the Thunder to the playoffs? <laughs> Breakout player of the year. Keep it going, Fred. Keep it going. I love it. I love it. Slater he, doesn't slip up that often. so we're, getting, we're Slater never slips yeah. up. That's yeah. why it's funny. 
Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised Fred didn't ba- bounce back at me on this, uh, saying the Spurs are definitely locked in a non-place. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's true. They have, they have breakout player, Keldon Johnson, and they have, they have broken out player, Yaka Pertle, and DPOY. they have, they have broken out player, Yaka Pertle. <laughs> so they're there. Oh man. They're going to have scoring and rim protection. That's all you need. All right, gentlemen, we have another quick break to go to our sponsors here on the back end of this. We will get into the team most likely to miss the playoffs that made it last season. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromatic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, gentlemen, we are back, keeping it moving with our Western Conference preview. Next category, the team most likely to miss the playoffs that made it last season. Never a good place to be in. Usually leads to coaching firings and other things of that sort. What uh, what do you guys think on that front? I it I kind of think I think Portland is is the team that I keep Ooh. coming back to. Saucy, just because there are so many unknowns. Uh, you know, I think the defense should be. It, the defense has to be better. I mean, yeah, part of the reason they were, I think, 29th in points allowed per possession last year was because they were playing Canner and Mello with those bench lineups, and those guys are out now. And, you know, Chauncey Billups is changing their pick and roll coverage, and that's been a big storyline for them during the preseason. The fact they're guarding differently with their bigs, and, and I think Cody Zeller, when he's healthy, is going to help with positional defending on their defense. But, I don't really see that many things they're going to be able to do at an elite, elite level. Uh, you know, they scored an incredible level when Lillard's on the floor, but the West is really tough. Uh, I think they're at best a play-in team. And and each year, each year I'm kind of more down on Portland than they end up being, and I'm always wrong. But I'm I'm just not really changing on that. I I I think if I have to pick one of these teams, it's kind of Portland. I guess Memphis could be the other one, but you know, they, they get in there last year and that's, uh, you know, in spite of Jaron Jackson being hurt for the whole season and, and, you know, you have to anticipate improvement from their young guys, which is basically their whole team. So, so I, I, I just keep coming back to Portland on this. Portland definitely has like the disaster possibility of like starting slow and then the Lillard situation blows up, you know, kind of like if we were going into last year at this time, we probably would have been like Houston's a playoff team. 
you know, because James Harden's still there. I mean, it's unsettled. Sure, sure, but, sure. And yeah. then bo- boom, blows up. They're like, worst team in basketball. So I'm not saying that's happening in Portland, but that lingers as a possibility. Uh, I do think Memphis is the easiest choice on the board, though. I mean, they were the nine seed last year, technically record-wise. Um, obviously slipped in in the play-in, but, you know, they're still young. They're still unknown. Um, we'll see, though. I mean, it's... It's I tough kinda, to I mean, pick a team. Fred, you know, it's more of a, a gutsy pick to go with Portland, but I get it. I, I think I I believe in Damian too much to believe that they would slide that far down. Um, but who knows? You know what I mean? The dynamic is not obviously all the way improved by any means in that situation. You know, I think there's a lot of pressure on Neil O'Shea. Been there a long time. Dame has made it pretty clear with his public perspective who he blames for you know the roster shortcomings, uh, which I think is very fair. But uh, I think he finds a way to make them competitive. But neither one of these are great picks. The Memphis one and Slater, that's who I had. Was it doesn't feel right to pick a team that 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 you know, like you said, was the ninth seed last year, plays with an incredible edge that I love. With John Morant kind of setting the tone there. The kind of team that if they heard this podcast, they'd be playing it for the whole squad and getting pissed off because Sam people Amick are reverberating through their locker room just yes. pissing the whole roster but this off. is they are like they have that old mj type swagger of like let's put everything on the bulletin board and and make something you know even the stuff that's not real let's let's find ways to get motivated and then they get jaron jackson jr back it doesn't make a lot of sense that they would go in the other direction but it became you know becomes that game of uh of music, musical chairs obviously so I got to pick Memphis, but I still like what they're doing and wouldn't be shocked at all if if they uh, proved us wrong there. Keeping it moving right along. Next up, we've got which team will have the best record in the Western Conference? Slater, let's go to you. Utah. And they did it. They had it last year. They have a regular season formula that works. They have a regular season center that is just proven to be like this dominant night to night regular season defender. Um, what's funny though is like Slander. I could sit here and pick Utah to be the number one seed, and you guys may also pick Utah, but I think there won't be any point on the podcast, no matter what their record is this season, that any of us come on and go. Utah is now the favorite to win the West in the playoffs. And that's just the reality of their situation. I mean, it's prove it in the playoffs, but the regular season formula has proven to work. Well, I can't wait to hear. Well, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but now you got me questioning my pick for the West. Cause I might've picked that team there Slater to, to win, <laughs> like to like win the, like be in the NBA finals. That's yes. We're going to get to that in a minute. Oh, I don't baby. feel good about any of these. On this podcast this year I don't feel that, good about, about any of these. I'm a sucker. Fine. I'm going to go there and then we'll hit the rewind button. And go back. I I am. I'm kind of assigning that age old thing to this group that, you know, we always forget that Michael and the Bulls stumbled a lot before uh, breaking through first round losses, thing, things of that nature. You know, there is this progression that takes place. And the continuity is still there, and and you know I think Donovan took another step forward. Maybe maybe my conversation with him just swayed me way too much. It, I think your conversation kind of is due because you've gone all nuggets, all jazz on this. Because I have new, fresh insight and intel. Don't 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 you know? Don't hate on me there. But we'll get to that in a minute. Um, now I lost my form. Fred, right here. Which, I, uh, I I I agree. I think it's Utah. I actually think they're better. They they cornered the market on Rudy's, and they're 
they're they're going to be Ru- able Rudy G's to be more specific. They're going to be able to go small this year. They can play Rudy Gay at the five, and and that's 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 an adjustment that's it's going to allow them to not going to do it often, not going to do it all the time, probably not going to do it every game, but in five minutes when Paul George is getting into the paint and kicking to some guy whose last name is Man and whose first name we don't really know. Every single time, like they're going to be able to go small in those situations. Yeah, but um, we're, the situations that we're kind of debating are more playoff situations and like, say, yeah, I mean, that's true. Will they bench Rudy Gobert? No, and I'm I'm now, damn it, Slater, you're so persuasive. I think I'm changing my pick. <laughs> they, Slater, I they I won't. I agree no. with you. They're they're and they also still the, the the biggest problem they had in the playoffs last year. Actually, Rudy Gobert gets so much crap for it, but in my opinion, it's actually too much because the biggest yeah, problem they had was that the perimeter defenders, the guys on on the on 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 the outside, couldn't stop any ball handlers from getting to the paint. And the only reason that Gobert was a problem was that nobody could stay in front of these ball handlers who were just getting to the rim whenever they wanted. And that's kind of when they were screwed. Uh, so. That problem is not necessarily solved, but they're they're made for the regular season. Quinn Snyder's a great coach. They're going to shoot a ton of threes like they did last year. They'll score really well. They'll defend really well. They're going to win a lot of games, and I won't pick them to win the West. But like they're <laughs> they're on, but they're also on my my, yes, my four yes. contenders that I we had could to pick see earlier. it happening. But I just I'm well. Here's here's what I might have forgotten and overlooked. First of all, okay, Donovan wasn't all the way healthy, but. They they were facing a battered and bruised Clippers squad. No, and still couldn't take advantage of that. And you talk about the simple kind of exercise of this jazz group getting through a team that was down a star. You know, hypothetically, if you're facing these Lakers in a conference finals, if they've got their stars, it's very hard to see. You know, I don't know what form it takes, but to see them getting through that. Um, I also don't love in terms of concerns, the Jazz, I think, have to massage, continue to massage some of the internal stuff that happens with them. The Rudy thing was uncomfortable to me because it's my opinion that part of the reason that he wasn't benched was because he is his stature and his profile have become so great that, you know, with accolade upon accolades, with defensive player of the years, things of that nature, that the, the act of benching him in such a key moment, I think, was just too much. Uh, for their group, and and that goes against what was probably the best basketball move. And you're and you're you know you're making that choice based on relationship dynamics, and it doesn't reflect well. Uh, I don't think um, when you're making those kinds of choices. I don't know if that lands and or if that makes sense, guys. But that stuff worries me a little bit. And uh, but all that being said, they've all got a ton of shared incentive to take this thing to the next stage. Uh, but that's probably where I think a team like the Lakers. You could look at it and say, all right, you talk about incentive. You got a, a Lakers squad full of guys with a ton to play for, some who have never had a chip, some who want more chips, and uh, and Frank Vogel trying to make it all work. So I, I hereby update the West uh, prediction. I think I got the Lakers coming out of the West. Well, that's question 10. We haven't done the annual. Oh, did I skip one? Andrew Select Memorial question, uh, oh, which is right. number nine. Forgot about the Trey Mann squad. Earmuffs, Andrew Select, <laughs> on this question. Which team will have the worst record in the West Conference? Should we just count down to three and just all say Thunder in <laughs> in three? We should thunder sing up. Thunderstruck. Do I have to pay mm-hmm. rights to ACDC now? Yeah. If if OKC. the answer to this question is not the Thunder, 
I don't even want to know. Like, there will be a fist-sized hole in Sam Presti's office wall if the answer to this <laughs> is not the Thunder. Houston oh, is the other option here, and uh, they're going to be playing a lot of rookies. And Jalen Green, while he may be our you know rookie of the year, is probably not going to be an efficient offensive hub in year one. Um, so, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander is better than anyone Houston has. So if he has a healthy, really productive season, like, man, eh, they could be better. Um, but like you said, it does feel like the motivation to be the worst in the West definitely resides more in Oklahoma City. And I do think that matters. All right. Well, I had jumped the gun, but we will go to the last and final question. Who is going to win the West? I have spoken my piece. Fred, how do you see it? Um, you know, what's amazing we like haven't spoken about the Lakers. Let's do it. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. We we just it's great. I feel like everyone's always talking about the Lakers because they're the Lakers and they're so genuinely interesting and we just haven't spoken about them. Uh I Do you want to keep it consistent? Should we just end the pod there? <laughs> I I think I'm just Thanks betting for joining us. I think I'm just betting on talent and picking the Lakers. Right. And I I I might be totally wrong. Because I I think there are those four teams could all do it, uh, but but I think I'm just betting on talent that they're gonna figure it out. Not betting with, on youth, definitely not betting on youth. But oh uh, no, they've got they've got three great players who have conflicting styles, and that they're just going to figure out how to make it work. They're they're quite deep. Uh, I think people are making way too much over preseason turnovers. They're just preseason turnovers. Russell Can we Westbrook. read Russell Westbrook's two stat lines though in his first two preseason games? Oh, he's I got mean, 15 it's, turnovers it's, in two games. Yeah, in like 40 minutes, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's And he's like four of 19 shooting with 15 turnovers in two games. Uh, it's I don't like his fit. I don't. Uh, Fred, you'd have a better opinion on this because you covered him last year. But, you know, this is not the Westbrook of Oklahoma City. Remember, he used to be like an automatic 18 foot shooter. Uh, and yeah, he never like stretched out to three and, and could fear. But like he just used to be a better offensive player. And, I, and, and, and he always took stuff off the table. But he just doesn't put as much on anymore. And and the spacing concerns I have have not been alleviated. Watch I was at the game where he had like eight first half turnovers the other night. Uh I just I think it's gonna be awkward. I'm not picking them to win the West. I can hundred percent they should be the favorite just because of LeBron and A D, but I just I don't know. I don't love the roster. I think that's totally fair. Like they're it's really, really tough to pick a team. But like we said, it's really it's really tough to justify picking Utah. I guess you could go Phoenix again. Uh if if you tell me right now Jamal Murray is going to be 90% of Jamal Murray come the start of the playoffs, like he'll be on the floor and he'll be 90% of what Jamal Murray is, then I would pick Denver. But without knowing whether Murray will be playing or and how he'll be playing if he is back, I just I feel like it's the Lakers, but maybe the answer is Phoenix. I mean, maybe the answer really is Phoenix because you're That's right. That's my I mean, answer. All That's of those bits answer. of analysis. The the Lakers have had a half-court offense problem for two years, and they've tried to fix their half-court offense problem by adding Russell Westbrook, which is not how you fix your half-court offense problem. So, I mean, I'm just know. dying to, to finish your point. But there's a quick, lot of Fred. talent. There's so I'm much I'm dying talent. to see what the Lakers, you know, I mean, it's possible that Russ's role – evolves over the course of the year because I mean my thing is you could take Russ away and I still might wind up looking at the Lakers for this 
because of LeBron and AD. And then you got some usual suspects coming back with Rondo and whatnot. Um, but the Russ thing is is going to be psychologically fascinating because, and this is your past life as Wizards beat writer, Fred. You know, I thought about this the other day. How much of Russ choosing to come home and conceivably telling that group that he's willing to sacrifice was potentially tied to the fact that he finally, he already checked the triple-double box. You know what I mean? Like this part of his legacy is secured when it comes to being the all-time leader. Um, and now it's, you know, natural to want to go home and do your thing. But Russ as a sacrificer is not what we have seen throughout the course of his career. He is at his best, you know, when he is an absolute destroyer and dominator, which in the context of this group, that that lane is is just going to be full a lot of the time. And so what does he wind up bringing and how does that look? And if it's not going well, like it hasn't in the preseason, what kinds of tough choices might Frank Vogel have to make? A huge thing with them is how is Russ going to be off the ball? Sure. That's just going to be huge because he don't. He, we know that answer. Do we not know that answer? At this no, point I mean, we your snark is well justified. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we probably we probably do know that answer. But just in relation to like sacrificing isn't just giving up touches. It's it's also willingness and ability to cut and not just stand there on the side because when you're not a shooter that's what you have to do when you this is what they needed from him in oklahoma city eight years ago this is what houston needed from him this is what the wizards i'm sure at times needed you know, you know that's the-, the thing slater he left houston and this was the word at the time like going to washington was driven by a desire to get back to playing russell yes. westbrook basketball and that was true yeah and and that was like five minutes ago and now you know, you have this challenge. I mean, this is good. Maybe this is a steaming take, but like, you know, I I think the Lakers would have, they could use Contavious Caldwell Pope more than Russell Westbrook. Contavious Caldwell Pope guards. Or Buddy Heald just to make it more. Yeah. Yeah. But Contavious Caldwell Pope guards on the perimeter, which by the way, Lakers are going to have a problem with. I saw it the other night. Jordan Poole torched him um, because they lost Caruso. They lost Caldwell Pope and then Pope hit threes. You know, he wasn't, he's not an unbelievable sniper, but he's 38%, something like that. Could sit out there. We'll shoot a ton. That's what the Lakers team to me needs more than like a ball dominant, like, you know, space, you know, eater, whatever you want to call it. But I just, I don't know. We'll see. I like what they did with their bench too. I mean, that, that shouldn't go unnoticed. They, they, they have spacing and fit problems with their main three guys, but Monk makes a ton of sense there. None makes a ton of sense there. Even Mello, especially offensively, I mean, like Mello makes a lot of sense there. Dwight Howard is 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 a really nice backup for them there. So so there's the the additions, the smaller guys who they added on. And and you know, Horton Tucker is gonna be out for a little bit now, but I actually really like him as a young player. I think he could he could become a really helpful rotation player for them. So they they've got a nice supporting cast, Ellington, Ariza. Uh, you know, I Ellington Nariza might end up starting. I don't think they're starting caliber players on a championship team at this point in their careers. But they've they've got a nice conglomeration of guys who they can they can mix in and throw different looks at you and all that. And there's just so much talent scattered throughout the roster that that I just I I feel like bet on talent. But I feel like Slater. I feel like you're picking Phoenix. Yeah. Are you guys Lakers? Lakers. Yep. Yeah, I'm picking Phoenix. I'm picking Since you're Phoenix. You're a jazz hater, and you got me off uh, off Utah. Oh, I can't. I talked Sam out of his title pick, or you know, conference champ. Sorry. Um, 
I'm picking Phoenix because they took advantage of a down West last year. But I think the West is down again. And I just think if, if they are what they are, I think they're the favorite, in my opinion, going into the playoffs. I, I can understand the argument for the Lakers because they probably lose that series if Davis stays healthy, uh, that first round series against the Lakers. But I don't know. I think the Lakers. DeAndre Aiden's going to be down on the block, waving his arm, saying, give me the ball. I need my oh, max extension. My. <laughs> uh, I th- yeah. I mean, that that that's something that could derail their situation for sure um but at the same time like he's still a year away from that um, he is yep and mikhail bridges is up for his too we'll see what happens there um guys we went a little longer than normal this time but it was good stuff we had to work our way all, all the way through the west and and if nothing else i think clearly uh this told us this week we got to get terrence Mann on the show at some point just so we can you know have he and slater meet up and have a good combo <laughs> i, I at this point, because we've made so many references to it, we really can't edit it out, and that hurts. That really hurts. We can't. We can't. That's <laughs> just what edit out the doing. whole podcast. I just said you work in enough. There's no way. I'm not going to keep it. super producer Mr. Schlecht up all night. Besides, he's got his hands full today with the, the Thunder Babies in the background. All right, guys. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.